Last week I only had three minutes to deliver my sermon, and a number of people after this, <laughs> Ralph said amen to that. I have 13 minutes this morning. Anyhow, a number of people in the second service who heard the full message in my testimony, really it's, it's the testimony of how I came to faith in Christ. A number of people, including Barbara Estelle, said you really need to share that with everybody in the first service. And um, so anybody that was here last week in the second service, I apologize. But I just feel feel the Holy Spirit leading me to share this witness with you because it it encapsulates the whole of the gospel of salvation. It's probably the most important message that I could give, and hopefully it's been a message that I've been sharing for these nine years. But this illustrated by my own life and witnessed by God's grace. And so I would like to change the scripture that you have in the bulletins. I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 2. And it's good if you guys would turn with me there. It's on page number 1818. 1818, because we'll be referencing this passage throughout the morning. But this is a most significant passage in my life, and this is the passage that brought me to salvation. This is the Word of God that captured my heart and my mind back when I was in high school. So I want you to look with me at Ephesians chapter 2, and I'll be reading verses 1 through 10. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace, expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of works, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This passage is kind of good news and bad news story. You know all the jokes, good news, bad news jokes. I looked on the internet and spent about an hour on the Internet trying to find something that was appropriate to kick this off with good news and bad news, but I didn't find anything that I thought I could use. So 
That's the good news. The bad news is, I don't know what the bad news is. There's no bad news. But anyhow, you look at this passage and you see a contrast. The first three verses give you the bad news of the human condition in sin. The goodness, the the bad news of our lack of righteousness and our sin sick, sickness. Paul says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. Following the ways of the world and following the ruler of the kingdom of this world, the devil, make no mistake, people are either following Jesus Christ or they're following the devil, even though most people would say, well, I'm just doing my own thing, going my own way. And the truth is that going our own way, doing our own thing, whatever we want to do is really the way that the devil wants us to be and go. So he is really leading that path and happy with that. And Going on to say, we follow the cravings of the sinful nature and the ways of this world. Like the rest, we were objects of wrath by nature. By nature. I've said over and over again that the antagonists, the enemies of a Christian's spiritual life is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And all three of these are mentioned here. But God, verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, but God, because of his great love for us, but God, let's say that together, but God, that's a most important transition, but God, because of his great love for us, because he is rich in mercy, though we were dead in our transgressions and sins, he has made us alive. God has given us abundant life, eternal life, and brought our hearts to life in Christ. And it's through this grace that we're saved. Grace is not something that can be earned or deserved. Grace is something that is a gift, a free gift of God. God's riches at Christ's expense, G-R-A-C-E, we've said that before, grace. It's amazing. Grace. It's by grace you're saved. Not by anything that you can do. I didn't get this until my last year in high school. And my story illustrates the truth of this passage. When I was a senior in high school, I went on a retreat sponsored by a youth ministry called Young Life. And for the first time I heard, well, I probably had heard this message over and over again, but the ears of my heart had never heard this. For those who have ears to hear, Jesus says, many hear, but they don't really hear with their heart. This morning, I hope that you are listening to the Word of God, which speaks truth that will set you free, as it did me My senior year in high school back in 1971, can you imagine? For it's by grace you have been saved. 
And that through faith. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, that not of yourselves, lest anybody should boast. Believe that it's Jesus who has done this work in your life if you are a believer. Not anything you do. All of the religions in this world basically are boiled down to two letters, D-O. What we do, what we do to try and make ourselves acceptable to God. But really Christianity stands distinct, focusing on God's amazing grace. It's what He has done. D-O-N-E. That's Christianity in a nutshell. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in a Christian church, Methodist church like this. And I was going about living my life basically in church, doing good work. I was in the youth choirs and in the youth group and went out on mission trips, did all kinds of things. But then on Monday, (laughs) things changed. When I got into school, I was living a double life. Sunday saints and Monday ain'ts, you've heard that before, right? Until God broke through to my life and I heard this word. Actually, it started a month before that. I was homesick from school. I stayed home from school sick one day and... My mom didn't let me do anything fun when I was homesick. She figured I was supposed to be sick when I was homesick. So I, all I could do was stay up in my bed and read something. I couldn't watch TV. There was no such thing as computers or video games back in the olden days, right? But so I, I thought, well, okay, what, what am I going to read? And my mom had just given me a copy of the New Living Translation of the Bible. Actually, just the New Testament was out then. The Reach Out, the Living Bible. And so I thought, well, okay, I'll read that. Mom was always giving me prayers for boys and whatever she thought would reach my thick head. And so I thought, well, what's the most interesting part of the Bible? Maybe the book of Revelation. I had no idea what that was saying. I had no idea of how to interpret this genre of Bible literature. I didn't understand that these were symbols and symbolic images in the Bible. And so I was reading and I'm going along and I'm amazed. It's, it's pretty entertaining to anybody, including a teenage boy. But I got to this one part where it said, that 144,000 were going to be saved. And I started pondering that. I thought, 144,000? That's not very many when you consider all the people, all the Christians down through the age, and all the believers in the Old Testament. I figured it, I started subtracting from 144,000. You take off Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Joseph, all these patriarchs, I started subtracting at least 11 of the apostles. And I was starting to get really nervous and sweat because I thought, you know, I might not make the cut here. And again, 
That 144,000 is not a statistical number. It's a symbol. It's a symbolic number of completion. 12 times 12 to the third power, to the thousand power. All of the number of God's saints down through history. But I was taking it most literally. Don't get too nervous here. But, you know, I went to youth group that week after. I said, how do we know that we're better now than, say, the Puritans? They were pretty righteous people back in the day, right? Do you think we're right now? Things are different. And the point is, is God, through His Word, was convicting me of my sin and my need for a Savior. That in my righteousness, no, I couldn't make the cut. I couldn't do it myself. And that weekend, in a spiritual state of unrest, I went on this retreat. And I really heard the Word of God and accepted Christ. Well, my life changed after that. My sister had been a Christian. My sister Lynn is here, by the way. She's been a Christian for a thousand years. Actually, she's younger than me. But anyhow, she got saved back in elementary school in a Bible club, in a community Bible club. So my whole family but me, I knew about God. I understood all kinds of things about the Bible, stories of Jesus, sang the songs, but I never accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I was kind of tagging along with the religion thing. And I thought I was pretty okay. At least in my eyes, I was better than, say, half the people living in the world in sin, and yes, I sin, but you know, I figured God had these big scales and the good people would go up and the bad people. Anyhow, it's not the way it works. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and God spoke to my heart. And I realized that I had to make a decision to accept Christ and enter into a personal relationship. Listen, because this is the most important word. No matter how many people are sitting in pews in churches, knowing all kinds of things about God, if you don't know God in Jesus Christ, if you haven't by His grace accepted Him, you aren't a Christian. Now that's startling perhaps to some, but... It's in your heart that God comes by His Holy Spirit to make you alive, that you might be born again. This is good news. This is great news. This is the best news you'll ever hear. And I wanted to make sure before I left that you really heard it. I know many of you have faith in Christ. It's by faith and by faith alone, not of works, Not by baptism, not by church membership, not by doing all kinds of great things, which are great. All of that's good stuff. But it's by trusting Jesus and His righteousness. Jonathan Edwards said, the only thing that we bring, that man brings to his salvation, is his sin. Where's Nelson? What is that quote again? You contribute nothing to your salvation. 
except the sin that made it necessary. That's much better quoted. Jonathan Edwards Nelson always has that a byline under his email. You contribute nothing to your salvation except the sin that makes it necessary. This morning, if you have not come to the place where you personally have received Christ, where you personally have made the decision to accept His acceptance, really, to receive and enter into a relationship with Him. You need to search your heart, examine your heart, to see if you be in the faith. The next service I'll be sharing about my call to ministry. A lot of people, even, even ministers, are not saved, I believe. And that's maybe a startling thing. But John Wesley was an example of that. Martin Luther was an example of that. Came to faith by God's grace through that. I invite you this morning to pray a simple prayer if you haven't already. Admit your sin before God. Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Confess Him before God and man. If a man believes in his heart that God has raised him from the dead and confesses with his lips, he shall be saved. The ABCs of the Gospel of Christ. I invite you, before this service is out, open up your heart. Receive Him today if you haven't already. Make it personal. You can't get to heaven on your parents' coattails, shirt tails, apron strings, whatever they are. Your parents, your grandparents, only by faith, your personal faith in the Savior. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this incredibly good news that you Delight the desire to show the incomparable riches of your grace expressed in your kindness to us through Christ on the cross as he died for our sins. Oh Lord, I pray that you would move us to respond, that you would move us to receive, and that you would move us to go and be witnesses to share this good news with the world. Lord, I admit that I am a sinner in need of your grace. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Come in today. Come in to stay. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. As I believe in you, I seek to serve you and follow you all my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we uh, sing our last hymn, sorry, Kathy, I'm going to hijack the service one time. Um, since my little sister, the little Darb, is here, I'm going to sing something with her, a song that I wrote. I sang it nine years ago when I first came, and I'm sure none of you remembers that. But I wrote a song back in college. I only wrote one song, and... Um, so Lynn, formerly Darby, now Yeagle, is going to sing. We're going to sing this since I'm leaving. So anyhow, 
I know it's after 10. If you want to leave, you can leave. The words of this song are from Isaiah 2. Lynn has a much better voice than I do, so I always like to sing with her. uh, This kind of speaks of the message that I've been sharing all along. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that He may teach us concerning His ways, and that we may walk for the Lord will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem and he will Judge between the nations and render decisions for many people. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. That he may teach us concerning his ways, and that we may walk in his path. And they will hammer their swords into plowshares. And their tears into pruning hooks. And nation will not lift up a sword against the nation. And never again learn war. Come let us show the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that He may teach us concerning His ways, and that we may walk in His path. 
and that we may walk in His path. Let's be the tie that binds.